Hi, this is Lisa Smith Henderson, and I'm your host for the podcast, Alma, Am I Racist? If you haven't joined us before, you may not know the story of Alma. Alma was the woman who made sure that I was safe and sound, both physically and emotionally, when I was a little girl growing up in North Florida. So in honor of her, this show is named after her, and what we do is we ask questions of black people. So they kind of represent the spirit of Alma, and then we have questions from white people. So today joining me is a dear, dear friend of mine, Kay. Well, so I'm going to ask you if you could think of one thing that white people are stepping in and doing wrong right now. What have you seen or heard or witnessed? My whole thing is that if you want to be involved, be involved. Don't be superficial. Just be who you are. And if you want to be involved in the protesting, whatever it is, I think it's okay. You know, I, I see a lot of people, a lot of white people or people that are, that are not of color seemingly participating in the protesting. And I see them raising the black, you know, what's known as the black power signal, you know, right. from long ago. Yeah. And I mean, what does that mean when they do that? Do they feel like they are supporting people of color when they do that? Is why is that black power sign? And I can identify with that sign, sign because I grew up in the 60s. During my time period of going to school, that was a sign of black power. Why is that black power sign the only thing that appears to be significant to them to say that, that we are supporting black people? And does that bother you? It doesn't necessarily bother me. I just find it awkward to see a non-black person holding up a black power sign, I guess. Maybe that's it. Because of the time that I was coming up during that time where the black power sign was used, that was only used by people of color, you know, black people. Perhaps that's the only way white people know to say, I support you, I'm in with this for you. Perhaps that's their only way to let people know, yeah, I'm with you. And, and so that's, I mean, that's okay. So when you talk about the superficiality of it, will you say a little bit more about that? Are people just talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk? In some cases, yes. And, and I think it's because they perhaps don't know what to do. Even I, as, as a person of color, I mean, it, it's taken years for all of this to happen. I mean, and there are some forms of slavery to me that haven't gone away. And the brutality of how black people have been killed and beaten and what have you, that still hasn't gone away. If you go back 400 years, that, that was 400 years. Well, it's not going to be something that anybody is going to be able to do overnight. This is going to take years. It's going to take years, but it's going to take conversation. It's going to take education. It's going to be people listening on both sides, you know, especially listening to Black people. This isn't something that's going to be resolved over a period of two years, five years. It may not even happen in my lifetime, but it's conversation that needs to continue to happen forever. I want you to say a little bit more about the vestiges of slavery that are still alive today. What do you see? that reeks of slavery to you? 
in the history books of reading how slaves were tortured, beaten, the recent police killings remind me of what history has noted as brutality. When I see just recently the police having, I can't think of his name right now, there's so many names, but in the street and being on top of him and beating him to the point that the man's left side of his face is bruised and he has a swollen eye. And that to me is just a history that hasn't gone away. And why the police officers felt that they had a right to do that is troubling because he's a human being. And what disturbs me the most is when these people, why do they fear these Black men, especially when they aren't armed, there is nothing in their possession that would harm the police officer. Why is there so much hatred still in somebody to treat a human being like that? I can't comprehend that part. I, and I also think in some instances that things are not equal. I think that the, their acts of, when I say acts of slavery or acts of inequality, I think we as a Black people have always felt like we've had to do a lot more to get ahead. My parents always instilled in me, don't let high school be the last education that you do. Go as far as you can and want to, because you're always going to have to prove and show that you can do something as well or better than a person that's not of color. So I think that it's going to take some conversation. It's going to take a lot of education, but it's also going to take a discipline of liking Black people. I just think that there is a group of white people that just don't like Black people for whatever reason. And I mean, we all have our prejudices. I have my prejudices. I think we all, in, in some cases, can be racist. Racist isn't a term that I think is just for white people. I think Black people can be just as racist. How do you, would you describe that for yourself? Like, where do you feel like you may have been racist? Having worked in a, in a job of under human resources and being the person who had the privilege of hiring for a particular position, when it came down to numbers, I don't think any employer will honestly say that they don't look at the number of white people and the number of black people that they hire. I don't think any, any employer would be honest to say that they don't discriminate in that way. But when I had the opportunity to hire more black people than white people, I took advantage of that. Even though the white person may have had maybe an edge up uh, with regard to maybe, maybe a little bit more education, a little bit more experience, but I felt like the, per the black person that I gave the opportunity to was just as educated, could speak well, could definitely do the job. And I felt like if I did not give her the opportunity for the job, she wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. This you is know? what white people have been doing for generations. Yes. So good yeah. for you. In making that judgment, I made it a point to keep up with them to just to see how well or how not so well they would do on the job. And I wasn't disappointed. I think 
God for that I made the right, I feel like I made the right decision and I used good judgment in hiring them. Since you were in HR, do you think affirmative action helped at all? It perhaps did, but you know, like anything, things can be manipulated. You can even manipulate their ethnicity. And and this to me is confusing as to who sets the standard. Because at one time, it used to be that your race was determined by your mother. Well, there are some people that I know whose mother is white, their father is black. But when it came down to their race in the records, in their personal records, they were put, they were put black. So they went by not the not the the biological mother, the race of the biological mother, but rather their complexion. So the color of our skin seems to determine what you do, what people say, what they think about you, and the privileges or or not so much the privileges of what you have. When you walk into an apartment complex and and you fill out an application, who's to say that the office managers are going to say, we're full. And then you get somebody, a friend of yours to go, who's white, to apply for the same one-bedroom apartment, and, and somehow within a day, it's, it's available. Yes. You and I had a conversation when this first started, and we were talking about white privilege. Your son is close to the same age as my son. And I said, I never had to have that conversation with him. If you get pulled over by a police officer, don't reach for the glove compartment. Keep your hands on the wheel. Be polite. Never even crossed my mind. But you, on the other hand, did. Will you just tell what that's like and why did you feel you needed to have that conversation with your son? Because lately in the news, that's all you hear. Black guys being pulled over, the beatings, the killings, the unnecessary roughness, the mistaken identity. That's my only child. And he's precious to me. And I don't want him to be be mistaken for somebody else who police might be looking for. You know, he's married with four kids. And because police, whether it's the training or the adrenaline from just having hatred among criminals, people that they feel are criminals or people that maybe less than what they think a man should be, I don't know. I just don't want the mistake to be made with my son. And he says, you know, mom, I'm, I'm careful. And I said, I know it's not, it's not you I worry about. It's the other person I worry about. Well, and when you see these things on videotape, to me, it's very clear. It's rage. It's straight up rage. It is nothing else. And, and why is that? I don't know. Is that, are they taking it personal because someone that they feel a black person has done some harm to their family members or a friend or just just what is that rage about when if their training is like the military you shoot a person shoot a person seven times i have a hard time understanding even if they have felt threatened let's say the person they thought the person was taking out a gun or whatever why do you have so many police officers shooting that a person is shot seven times in the back. 
in the back. That is I, not self-defense. No, it's not. I don't care what the guy had done. I honestly, I've gotten into it with some friends because I don't care if he had just serial killed 18 people and their families, including 50 children. I don't care. That was wrong. That was flat wrong. The, the rage in that, I, I'm having a very hard time understanding. Why even, if they're using this as the reason that this is part of our training, why are you training police officers to shoot somebody seven times, seven, 12 times, you know, unless they are in a situation where they're faced with a person with a gun in their face, but even there, it's almost almost as if the person is a target for practicing shooting. That's, that's what it sounds like to me when you, you hear where the person has been shot seven times, 12 times. I think in one incident, somebody was shot 20 times. Why? Why is that? So the hatred, there's so much hatred in this country, and I don't know where the hatred is coming from. When I look at how we, back in, back in the slavery days, and even now, people of color are cleaning white people's houses. They're taking care of their children. They're cooking their food. So there's hatred. There, there's some kind of hatred with the black man. But why is that? But not just hatred. There seems to be a lot of hatred with the black man, but there's also hatred with people of color, whether you're, you're male or female. But there's definitely a lot of strong hatred against black males. I don't know what the root cause of that is. If you could do something to work on that, and I'm going to talk about just racism, not specific policy with police, but just breaking down some of the hatred, what would you do if you could? You were granted a wish by a genie, what would you do? I would love to have conversation with white people who are proud or claim to be racist. There are some white people who don't who who have no fear in saying that I just don't like black people or I'm a white supremacist to see where that's coming from. Is that how they were raised and that that's that's all that they know? I would love to have that conversation. I am a part of a racial healing group and we just had our a Zoom meeting the other night. There are I think it's about even the number of white people and black people that are in the group and it's a different different age groups because I think that the conversation doesn't need to be with just young people, middle-aged people and seniors. I think there needs to be a mixture of all age groups because you get a different perspective of what the seniors grew up with. You get a picture of what the baby boomers or the middle-aged people now uh, have been going through. And then the perspective of the younger group generation that's coming up and who, you know, they are wanting to protest and be out in the street. So I would love to continue the conversations that we're having in our group but I really would love to be a part of a, an ongoing group of people who consider themselves white supremacist, white power. I just saw somebody on the news the other night who said, always white power, white power. People who aren't afraid to show that rage, despite the fact, you know, with social media now, with being able to videotape everything, mm -hmm. despite 
them knowing that people are videotaping everything that they do, they have no shame still. It's still happening. So I would love to know, what's the rage in you that makes you continue to do this? Would you be willing to talk to somebody who didn't think they were racist, but their behavior spoke otherwise? Yes. Mm -hmm. For example, someone who would say, I'm not racist. I have black friends. I think there should be equality. Black Lives Matter is okay with me. But if somebody gets shot in the back seven times, they did something wrong and they deserve it. Would you be willing to sit down with somebody like that? Yes, most definitely. Because, because everybody me, has a different definition for what's a racist. Right. And I think this is where, this is the tricky territory. Because I think most people would say, I'm not racist, but their behavior is, shows differently. And yes. the bottom line is, as you said earlier, we are all racist. We are all working towards, I think, you know, evolving into non-racist, anti-racist and to have equity for all people. But the truth is, we have that. I made a, a joke in my little book club where we're talking, we're trying to learn how to be anti-racist. And somebody was talking about something being on time. And I said, oh, just like the Germans. And I realized that was a perfect example. Maybe it wasn't racist, but it was still cultural. So I'm still like pigeonholing. And then somebody said, well, my husband always says, if I have a car, it should be made by a German. And I thought, this is how this perpetuates, even though that's not a great racial example. I think, though, you have to not beat yourself up to thinking that everything you say might be interpreted as racist. For me, we've become a little too sensitive that we can't live naturally. I, I see nothing wrong with saying getting a German car because German cars are known to be tough and well-built. So I think in some cases where too much can be interpreted to be a negative, but I think the key is to be natural. As long as you're being respectful of people, it's a matter of interpretation. It, there's going to be a balancing act and I think if you have said something or if somebody reacts to you based on something that you've said and they felt like it was racist, I think I would ask them, please help me understand why you're interpreting what I said to be racist, because that's not what I meant. I meant it to be like the example we gave about the German car. German cars are known to be well built. And that's the only reason why I'm referring to the fact of getting a germ a car made by Germans or Germany, it's known to be a well-built car. We it could has, take that a step further and I could say, here's what I said to my son when he was a child. He wanted to be a basketball player and he wanted to be in the NBA. And I said, son, you're not black. You can't be in the NBA. Now, he took me seriously and I don't really think I was. I think I was just kind of like you know, maybe you're, you're more creative. You're not real athletic, but that's or, what I said. Or was the picture of basketball, all that you saw were black guys playing basketball? Right. Like you needed to be 6'11 and, or seven feet tall, and you needed to be a black man to play basketball. But really, Kay, that's racist. What I said you're, to him was racist. What you said to him was stereotyping 
that black that basketball players are black if you want to use that i agree but, i agree that you yeah. stereotyped you're stereotyping black guys as being basketball players okay and i'll give you i'll give you one with my son okay at seven years old my son was interested in playing hockey and he played hockey until he was 18 years old he started playing ice hockey at 10 he was doing rollerblading at seven started playing ice hockey at 10 so he played ice hockey until he was 18. he was very good as a goalie he was very good playing defense when he when he played a team that was known to win all of the games because they got to the point where they were really good and they were in two championships he had white boys to tell him why are you playing hockey you should be playing basketball oh my god and when he told me that i said because you're tall and because they stereotype black guys to play basketball it's not likely you don't see many black guys playing hockey you really don't every now and then you'll see a person of color out there but seldom would you see a black guy playing hockey so that's an example too yes. of stereotype that's flat out racist like basically you should go home you shouldn't be here right i mean yeah. as a white person i would take it like that i cannot imagine is my son coming home telling me that and my son has told me some stories he had three really close black friends and he told me recently about two parties they got kicked out of in high school and i said what you know these kids were all smart well-mannered sweet and it, it just blew my mind i thought this was not that long ago and this with your son was not that long ago. We are not talking 60s, 70s. We are not talking 80s even. That's right. We're talking within the last 10 years. That's right. Pretty much. That's right. Exactly. So this is what totally freaks me out. Okay. Well, I want to end on a positive note. <laughs> okay. So I would like for you to tell me one supportive thing that white people can do to show that we are something besides the white fist. Okay. That's not a good one. <laughs> or, the, or the fist that's white that should be black. <laughs> something to show we're, we're in support. We're an ally. We're working on becoming anti-racist. What would that look like to you? I would say if you see or know of someone that's being mistreated, person of color that's being mistreated and you feel that you're in a situation where you can make a difference in how that person feels, then say something about it. Don't be afraid to speak up. Support Black businesses. Educate yourselves on Black candidates who are running for our office. And if you feel that they are as qualified as the white person, vote for them. So... You're talking on a personal level and a policy level that there are things we can do today. Yeah, there are things we can you can do today. Just be just be yourself in being respectful. I'll I'll tell you what has helped me a lot and and I have really appreciated this. When I pass a person, a white person in the grocery store or on the street or wherever it may be, what I've noticed, 
and and I'm not necessarily looking at them in passing, but I lately have seen white people deliberately carry on a conversation or deliberately say, hi, how are you doing? Or deliberately say, have a good day. And, and I really think it's because they don't want me as a black person or black, black people in general, if they do this consistently, to say, I'm not a racist. I do like black people. Does it feel genuine to you or does it feel hokey? It does seem genuine. And that's the other thing. Don't be superficial in what you do. Let it be natural. And so far, my contact or communication has been that the person appears really genuine in what they're doing. We can make a difference in our everyday mm-hmm. mundane lives, aside from the bigger things we can do, whether it's protesting, supporting black businesses, elected officials, all of that. But day to day, when you see a black person, you can look them in the eye, smile, say hello, speak. Right. Yes. Because so often we pass each other and we say nothing. And I think black men are are starting to do the same. Even my own race, I'm making an, an effort to say hello, how you're doing, especially when I check out of the grocery store lines. And I just think that we need to acknowledge each other, that we're human beings. We're here on this earth. We all have a purpose. We were here put on earth for a reason. And I just think even if you're a smile or a hello, and the person may not speak back to you, I don't know, but you never know what a smile or what a hello can do for somebody because you never know what they're going through. Holding the door for somebody, making sure it doesn't slam them in the face. A lady in line was a dime short. And I told her, I said, hey, I I can give you a dime. (laughs) That's all you need. She was going to put something back because she didn't have a dime. I mean, just any nice gesture. So kindness, courtesy. Kindness, yes, exactly. The things we should have all learned in kindergarten. That's right. We need to get back to basics. Back to basics. Well, Kay, I cannot thank you enough for being willing to be on the show, Alma, Am I Racist? You have been uh, part of my journey through this. I mean, we've been friends for many, many years, but you've been with me through this particular part where I was birthing this podcast. So I hope you'll come back. I would love to. And maybe next time you can have one of your uh, white supremacy friends. <laughs> well, I don't have any white supremacy friends, but I'll see if I can find somebody for you to talk to. <laughs> Set them straight. <laughs> that would be great. Anytime, my friend. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I really have to say that I truly appreciate your genuine love for people. You, you show no shame when it comes to loving and caring for your, your Black friends, but you're that way with everybody. It's not that you're just that way with your Black friends. You're that way with everybody, your white friends. Thanks. So you're honest. You're not superficial. You're real. You're a real person. You're a real friend, and I really appreciate it and, and so glad you gave me an opportunity to express my feelings about this movement. Well, thank you. This is very important. And the whole idea for this is let's educate some white people here, myself (laughs) included. (laughs) Anytime. Uh, 
I love you, my friend. Love you too. Thanks for listening to Alma Am I Racist? If you want to know more, you can go to almaamiracist.com. The podcast airs every Tuesday wherever you get your favorite podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope to have you here next week.